Before we dive in, I want to let you know that my pediatric food allergy course, Fear to Freedom, is officially open for enrollment right now on emilynolan.com. One more thing before I jump in, I'm a mama, not a doctor. So the information provided in this podcast is for general informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a qualified medical professional. Any questions you may have concerning the diagnosis or treatment of a medical condition should be directed to your doctor or another qualified healthcare provider. When I started this movement, it's because we've inherited as a culture a really antiquated image of the stay-at-home mother. And women in work made such big progress. The feminist movement came right on the heel. The second wave of the feminist movement came right after that and perpetuated this huge power chasm. So we left the stay-at-home mother back in the 1940s with a dial-up rotary phone and a cookie platter. Neha and I met at the Strong Like a Mama, Hey Mama event. We were both on the speaking panel and I didn't know what the Mother Untitled movement was. And let me just tell you, Neha, you have truly, and I know you get my voice notes, you've changed my life and, and you've reframed the way that I see myself, that I see my relationship with my partner, that I see motherhood and mompreneurship. So why don't you start out by telling the listener a little bit about the Mother Untitled movement, how it originated and what your motivation was for creating it? Well, the motivation was messages like that. Your voice notes mean the world. I have a file on my iPhone in my album that's a screenshot called This Is My Why, which is just all the DMs I get. Because, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, but when you run a project alongside motherhood and it's in that gray area of creating work you care about alongside family, you have to figure out new success metrics for yourself. And mine are those voice notes, those DMs, the comments on every post. So that means the world. I started it in 2017. I was a year into motherhood with my son. I had chosen to pause or rather initially I downshifted. I'd run brand at a really hot e-commerce company in New York. I just finished business school at Stanford. I'd done fairly well in advertising and I had been on a pretty linear career track. And when I had my son, I remember I looked at him and I thought like, while I'm not going to put rose colored lenses on those early days, like I had the same stuff, right? I had oversupply issues actually, and I wasn't sleeping and all those things were really real, but I felt this immense peace and contentment. And I think that it was something that I'd been looking for for years, this sense of belonging and a lot of anxiety that had followed me around in the workplace, right? That imposter syndrome, the trying to navigate politics and not knowing how to be myself and do that, all of that fell away when I was holding my son. And so that was something I wanted to lean into more. And when I made that choice, I initially downshifted into a freelance position for two days a week. And the rest of that time was at home. And I was meeting all these incredible women who were making their own versions of shifts and pauses, women who were thoughtful, ambitious, modern, you know, and all of this combined, I suddenly had this new portrait of women like myself who 
had established careers, really identified with that for a long period of time, but were leaning into family life with a real desire to figure out a new version for a period of time. And yet I was also coming face to face with so many of our culture stigmas, right? I was hearing from friends, family, like, are you sure you're not going to be bored all day? Or like, don't you feel like you're giving up on your career? And the like worst of them was like, did you take someone's seat at business school? And you know, all of that just didn't really make me feel anything besides wanting to go to war on behalf of all of these women that I felt were just being underrepresented. Now, I should contextualize that this was on the heels of the Lean In movement, right? So like Lean In was the rallying cry at my business school graduation. And I think that that movement did wonders in propelling women in the workforce. But what it did do was it really put a pin in the power chasm that had been created between women who worked out of the home and women working in the home. And yet I was watching this entire new category of women that was a new reality of the quote unquote stay at home parent, but what we call women taking a career pause or shift for a chapter. And um, I really wanted to elevate a new narrative so that women could feel empowered to make that choice without penalty on the other side. I love the way you frame things. Women working out of the home and women working in the home. You know, for the listener, Neha is so particular with her words. And when you follow her on social media, you'll see the way she frames things. uh, And it's just, it's so empowering for me. I'm wondering though, where did that bravery come from for you to rewrite that narrative and to say, I'm going to lean in to this idea because there's got to be more people out there like this going through the same thing that are uh, ambitious women wanting to lean into family life. And even just to piggyback off of that, I know that I texted you and you probably got it from a million people, but Forbes had a 50 over 50 moment. And I think it was for women only, was it? Uh, But just, I mean, come on, that is so cool. Like seasons of life and the runway is long, right? So where did that bravery come from? Was there a moment where you decided to believe in yourself or was it over time? I think it's a bit over time. It's interesting because I've been reflecting on the fact that my the nonlinear path for me started a long time ago. So I immigrated to the States when I was three. I had a really wonderful, I was a only child. I am an only child or a single, you have a really beautiful phrase. For that. <laughs> Say it for me. You're your parents' one child. I am my parents' one child. You you have a lot of language around that, but I and I loved it. I loved that experience. Except in high school, I think I came face to face with um, a lot of issues around race and fitting in and belonging, and it was something I was really challenged by. And I ended up taking a year off at a time where gap years weren't that popular. And I traveled. I went to India. I taught for a period of time. I traveled through Asia, and I was by myself. And that pause back then brought me home to myself. I came back truly, you know, when you strip away all the other things that you're trying to fit with, you're forced to remember who you really are. Right. And that year was so powerful um, because when I stopped trying to be something I wasn't, I could remember what lit me up what I cared about, what was of true importance. And I came back and I was able to enter college and then um, enter my career in a much more empowered way. And for me, I really sought that out in business school too. You know, I really wanted a juncture to stop surrounding myself with really smart people and have space to reflect on what came next. And so I think I really had that inner trust around 
breaking from the linear path and believing that those pauses can be super meaningful. And I would say that I had it modeled for me. My father, who has been incredibly successful over his career, really credits my mother for a huge part of that and gave her the utmost respect for her choice in focusing on family life. And, uh, you know, she really was a mother untitled in that, like, she focused her time on raising me, but was so active in our community and in the school system. And he had the utmost respect for her. So I think all of those forces, the inner trust, as well as the model for it, let me really step into that chapter of pausing with more confidence and clarity. And I wanted to impart that on women that I were was seeing navigate a similar time, but lacking the same um, confidence because society and our culture sends a lot of false beliefs that can hold women down in this moment. And, and I think we all deserve to really see the worth and value of our time. Well, you've not done a great job at doing that. You've done a phenomenal job because you've given me a voice. I sent you a voice note again the other day that said, I have a whole new thought process on scaling my business. In the past, coming from business school myself, scaling was always bigger and better and more. And now I'm scaling my business to fit my life. And so sometimes that's less. And it's not always financially less, but it's how much time am I giving this? Can I automate this? Can I scale my business so there's less people working for me? So there's less back and forth communication. So I have more time for my family life because I do crave both of these identities, the mompreneur and the mother volunteering at school or room mom. I love doing that stuff too. Um, so you've really given me confidence in that voice. In addition to people like Pamela Peckerman, Hustle Like a Mom, which is, um, you know, working between drop off and pick up. Um, so, you know, there's like these voices that are coming through now. And I am so excited to highlight because I know that you speak for so many of us and give us that thing that we were looking for, you know, and that voice that we were looking for that maybe was our inner voice that we might not have been confident enough to believe in. So thank you for doing that. I would like that permission to listen to yourself, right? And the trust, because that's what it is. It's it's allowing yourself to recognize, and we've used the word seasons multiple times in our conversation, even before we hit record. A lot of this, and I think the big difference for women in this generation from women's women prior is that we can give ourselves permission to trust that things can be fluid. And I really want this conversation around women and work to go to a much more fluid place, right? Than the binary, archaic, black and white notions of stay at home and working and it being fixed and finite. There's so much gray in between. And I think if we can embrace that gray area, that in-between area, we can dial up and dial down as needed. And it gives us ability if we have the privilege to do so, to tune into what's right for our family or for ourselves and our work right now. That gray area is so undefined and it's so nuanced and different for every single person. And I just, I love the thought of there's so much space between black and white. There's so much room for you, listener, 
myself or you, Neha, to figure out what is it in your life, in your season, in your day that you want. Again, if you're privileged enough to choose or to have some type of agency over it, and then to just start trying things out, right? And figure out what sticks and what works. And I love the thought of gray area, especially as a food allergy mama and thinking about when Ollie was first diagnosed with food allergies, because in that season, I had very little space for anything other than focusing on trying to heal my child and get him to a point where he's safe enough to be around other kids and have a play date, go to school without his mama, right? I was homeschooling. And well, I mean, at seven months, you're not homeschooling as much as just the constant caregiver. But for a year, I homeschooled, Um, you know, and then every season it changed, right? I got it under control. We were in a routine and then, you know, I could go to a tennis lesson. You know, it just started off like a little, little investment in my self-care. Um, and then I get got to the point where we're at now, where Ollie's four and I have started a business over the last year. It's seasons, you know, for the listener who may have a child who's newly diagnosed thinking, oh my gosh, I've, you know, got to give up my career. So, in a podcast I've done with Daniela Rabani, who we're both friendly with and friends with, I told her I'd interviewed 992 food allergy families. And of that group of 992 families, 75% of that group were mamas who took either a downshift in work or a huge pay cut or left work completely to try and care for their child. And it was staggering for me that we don't have the resources to provide that mama with a little bit of ease to continue the career that she either wants or is necessary to support the family. And so that's why I'm creating this um, pediatric food allergy course. That's why I've launched it to make it easier and take something off their plate to say, hey, here's nine easy modules. You can do it during nap time. I'll get you from A to Z. You can heal your child and you can also restore your identity, which is my last module about care for caregiver and kind of this gray area that we're talking about. What is it that you want, right? You know, it's. I'm so glad you highlighted that. I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic has been that it's shined a light on the work needed to give care, right? And how much headspace and how much physical labor that takes and the lack of structures and support available in this country to to allow for that. Now, what people assume is that it's, you know, people that there's only one time women pause their careers or men pause their careers. And that's for early childhood. And that is just not the case, right? There's senior care, right? Taking care of our parents. There's health conditions of our children, but, and there's our own mental health. One of the primary reasons women leave, in addition to any one of those, is that they themselves want to heal themselves, right? And so giving care takes on so many different dimensions and it's like everything else, not binary. And there's no one time to do it, right? We see women do that when their kids are teens and they're navigating complicated times. And I think when we are challenged, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, to step into advocacy roles for our children, or partner with them or guide them in a much more intensive way than any generation prior, it takes a huge amount of headspace. It takes a huge amount of our physical presence in a way that balancing full-time work is make is challenging. 
And so allowing ourselves the room to tune into what is necessary for right now and trust that we can recalibrate over and over again um, is is very permission giving. It, it adds a little bit of that ease that I feel like I'm looking for at any given time to trust that this is for right now, embrace what it is for right now and accept that there will be time down the line to dial up the levers in other directions. It's just another one of life's practices of radical acceptance that I just think up-levels us as humans so much. Okay, I have a very interesting, or so I think, story. Coming back from Italy like a week ago, I went through TSA and Global Entry, and they checked my passport, and they ask, what do you do for a living? And instead of saying, well, I'm an entrepreneur and I launched a digital pediatric food allergy course and I have a podcast and right over explaining, I just said, I'm a stay at home mom. Like I just wanted him to just check my thing and not say, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Right. But immediately I thought of you and I was like, this is the opportunity for me to use better language. So for the listener, can we give them the language that you suggest when you are meeting other people and they say, what do you do for work or what do you do for a living? You have very specific ways of answering that. And I just want to record it forever so that I can come back to this and remind myself. It is the universal stumbling block for women, not just fully pausing, but even women like yourself who are running really meaningful businesses alongside, right? Because our culture loves titles, We love boxes. I mean, we have an entire show called The Home Edit about putting things in containers. And so when we are no longer in one that's easy to define, it can feel completely disconcerting. And the first time I was asked, I word vomited as well. I'll never forget it. And I'm someone who was stepping into this with so much excitement and so much confidence. And yet I went through my entire history before, my reasons why. And by the time I got to like what I was actually working on alongside, I mean, everyone had like their babies crying and it was over. (laughs) So in crystallizing how to answer it, I really love the idea of saying right now, you've heard me say it probably a couple of times in this podcast, because I think allowing it, allowing yourself to ground the conversation in this is a moment in time, I'm focusing on family. I think being able to say, or even I get to focus on family because that becomes across so empowered, right? Like just saying I get goes from a place of like, um, I'm doing this to I'm choosing this. And then we'll see what comes next. It stays open to the other chapters and possibility. Or if you're working on something else, that's a perfect time to say, and I'm working on this project alongside. Full stop. And I think that being able to show the power of prioritization in a moment in time, as well as staying open, is such a powerful combination to hold for ourselves and to communicate outwardly. So if you're listening and you're doing something else, you're multitasking right now, I want to repeat this so that, you know, you just stop and listen to what Neha has to say about the response and maybe even repeat it with her. So will you give us the full response one more time just so we can really ingrain it and remember it? Right now, 
I get to focus on my family. I'll see what comes next. Right now, I get to focus on my family and we'll see what comes next. So practice that while you're walking around, cleaning your house, driving on a walk, whatever you're doing right now. Just remember that. If there's one thing you take away from this episode, I think that's so, so powerful going into the empowered pause of right now, I get to focus on my family and we'll see what's next. I would add, if you are someone who is working out of the home, it is such a powerful thing to ask regardless. So many times we think that the problem is with the question, what do you do, right? And I've been that person who said like, let's change the way our culture is wired. Why is that, you know, why is that what we lead with? But the other side of this is that oftentimes if you say, say you respond with, I'm a stay at home mom. And you just say that. It's on the other person to ask more. Like, don't let the conversation die. Because I think so often, then there's this discomfort of like, oh, what do I ask her next? Should I just talk about the kids? But there's so much more of what you're working on, right? And I think we give ourselves an opportunity to follow up with, what are you up to for the rest of the day? Like, that is such another way in and an alternative to get to know people, to make space for those versions of the gray area and to connect to the nuances of someone else's day. And I think in our conversations in culture, it's one part our answers and it's one part our questions. Let that sink in. Absolutely. I love Seeds PDS08 Pediatric Daily Symbiotic, and you probably already know that if you're following me on social media. I mix it with my son's daily multivitamin every morning in a beautiful espresso cup when I can to show him that self-care is a beautiful daily ritual. Also, because it contains the dual-phase prebiotic made of short and long-chain carbohydrates, it does take an extra moment to dissolve. This easy-to-use and sustainably packaged symbiotic, meaning it's a two in one probiotic and prebiotic powder is formulated for benefits in and beyond the gut. It's the first children's symbiotic with nine probiotic strains clinically studied in a pediatric population for benefits across digestive, respiratory, and dermatological health. The pediatric daily symbiotic also supports easy, frequent poops, which happens to be my son's favorite topic. PDS08 even bridges the fiber gap with five grams of fiber per serving. It's a meaningful complement to a healthy diet. Also, it's reassuring to know that the product is free from sugar, artificial colors, flavors, flow agents, binders, preservatives, and if you're listening to this podcast, and likely most important to you, free of 14 classes of allergens. Seed is offering my listeners a 20% code towards your first month. Just head to seed.com backslash Emily Nolan and use the code EmilyN20 to get 20% off your first month today. One of the things you talk about, too, is income sharing and ownership of the partner's income, even in a career pause. And I thought, you know, I've been doing this with my husband and we correct ourselves all the time where he'll say, uh, I made this much this month or I made this much whatever last year. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. We made this much this month because it's a team effort to get the house, keep the house, keep the family, keep, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely a teammate in this. And even though he might have sent the contract out and done the business side of that deal, 
we made it together. And tell us more about that, because that is so it just makes you feel so valuable as the partner in the house and not just the silent partner. You are an active participant in this family and everything that it earns, everything, whether it's your child's kindness, right? And teaching them kindness, or if it's income, right? Tell me about that because I think it is applicable and not just like income ownership of the partner, but also that partner, whether it's the earners, the actual earners' income, their ownership of the child learning to feed themselves properly or, you know, be kind at the playground or share. So tell me more about that. I love that parallel that you drew because it does go both ways. But I do think this is such an important conversation for women stepping into navigating a pause or a downshift. One of the beyond identity, one of the biggest blocks women feel is in parting with a salary that they're losing their financial say. I think add to that, we have this false belief in this, in our culture that that partner now, the partner working in the home now becomes a financial dependent. And I think as modern women, when we hear the word dependent, we like cringe, right? We've worked so hard to be independent. And I really like to re-examine that and present women with a new way of thinking about it, which is the person working in the home is not dependent on their partner working out of the home. The partner working out of the home is dependent on the home parent for allowing them to be able to single task and bring in that salary and income. So in thinking about it that way, it's a true partnership, your true organization and the woman or man in the home is a core element of the economic stability of the family, right? So you are interdependent. And when we re-examine it that way, it reminds us that we, even if you're not bringing in a paid contribution to the household, your contribution is significant. And of course, not just warrants, but demands your financial say. One of the hardest things to hear from our community is when women feel like they have to ask for money to spend. It is their money that they as a family unit have to decide together how they budget and allocate. But it is really important for women to feel going in that they are valued, that their contribution in the home is seen for what it is, which is a core contribution and essential contribution that allows the family to exist in the manner that it's existing. And I believe that takes a lot of active just reframing and practice like, oh, I did it again. After, you know, 10 years of being married, my husband is a feminist. We still do it. And we're still actively working to reframe that. And maybe our children won't have to do that because we've worked to try and do that. But um, and by the way, I would add that it is a constant, even in our household. And my husband, the poor thing, is like on the receiving end of this all the time, all day long. And I... And I um, still have to do a lot of education on the worth, the tangible worth of the time at home and the mental load. Because I think so often we as a culture have assumed that caregiving is an unskilled labor, right? Because we just assume like you can outsource that, right? Like the, but the reality is there's so many dimensions of it, right? You can't outsource the overwhelm. You can't outsource the thinking. You can't outsource the curating of the world and the environments that these children operate in. And it is a constant education to assign value to unpaid 
labor and that conversation, as long as there's room in the relationship to have that conversation, you're that's the most important part. You're never going to get it exactly right. Like I think of us as well ahead of the curve on this conversation, but we are still doing that work and that education behind the scenes. And there's a lot to be done. I'm going to reverse engineer what I've done, right? I went from complete career pause in the empowered pause to take care of Oliver and our family to focus on my family and see what's next. And I'm curious, though, for the mama who is working and wants to lean more into family life, but either by necessity has to stay at work or wants to stay at work. What do you suggest she does to keep that identity and keep that role and also embrace the mother untitled mission um, because she wants that? Right. And I would say one thing right there, which is I don't think that staying at home is the best solution for every family, right? Like I truly believe it's not about whether you work in the home or out of the home or exist somewhere in between. Your kids are best served when you are whole and healthy. So our mission is certainly to change the narrative for women in career pauses or downshifts for caregiving, but it is most definitely not to advocate for that being the right way. So I want to say that right there. From there, I would say that I think one of the most incredible things about the gray area is that there's so many ways to make room for family life, right? Again, it's not black and white. And I think one of the most powerful things I've seen is how women test and learn. If they choose to stay in their existing work industry role, they have a real opportunity to reassess, number one, is this is this industry role still serving me? If the answer is yes... Who can they talk to? What models can they look for within their existing organization that have structured their work in such a way, whether that's flex work, whether that's remote, whether that's freelance, whether that's contract, look for those models, uh, whether it's within your company or similar companies and get really concrete on how that could work. We have a few guides on how to present and advocate for yourself when looking for flex or part-time work within your existing organization. I would encourage you to either come to our site or other sites to be able to put together that very detailed proposal on how this could work and give yourself room to test and learn within that. Now, for some people, they might say, this is actually a moment that I'm looking to recalibrate And this existing organization that I'm part of isn't checking all the boxes for me. And I don't think it could work. And that's an interesting juncture to get really clear on what would make it work. Because it's not always working remote. Remote is not the answer for everything, as you and I can tell you, you know, anyone. You know, is it specific hours? Is it specific days? What construct would serve you well? And then... There are plenty of platforms, ours included, Career Contessa, Mother Honestly, Reboot Excel, W-E-R-K Work, to look for flex work opportunities and start to cast a wide net. And there's no time like right now to get crystal clear on what it is you're looking for and start to put feelers out there on what's possible. Um I think the other element of this is that there are seasons. So being able to give yourself the room to test something for a six-month period or a one-year period and give yourself permission to check back in in increments. Some For some women, a complete pause is not the right thing. If you take a part-time position, give yourself those three to six-month increments to check back in on what's working and what's not and reevaluate often. I think the nature of the gray area 
is beautiful and that it's not fixed and finite. And it can be overwhelming in the fact that it does ask of us to constantly recalibrate. Um, And that is a blessing and a burden in many ways. But I do think there is a real sliding scale on flex work opportunities. I also think that it's an incredible opportunity for women as a whole right now, because it starts to gray the edges and blur the edges between stay at home and working mother. And if we can find those ways in which to make room for family life that work for us, we can shift between those as often without ever feeling like we've been written off or counted out. And then the last thing I would just say is if you choose to exist in your existing structure, if you're full-time working out of the home and you love that and it lights you up or you need that financially or mentally, that's an amazing thing. And figuring out the boundaries and accepting what your limits are, being clear about those limits is a really powerful way in which to still make room for family without necessarily having to step out. I really was going to wrap up the interview, but there is one burning question that I just want to hear your answer because I think some of the listeners will have this question. And I know I've talked to other mamas who experience this, the empowered pause that is longer than a season. And then they're wondering, oh my gosh, I have a gap in my resume. And then it becomes 10 years and then 18 years. And then now the kids are in college and they tell me, I wish I had done what you were doing, keeping you know yourself in the game even a little bit by automating your business model, by having a podcast. Of course, this is now. They didn't have podcasts 18 years ago, but how can the mother taking the empowered pause, like longer than a season pause, have the confidence to stay in that pause and feel valuable and also understand, hey, there may be a gap in your resume, which I think is such a fear mongering term, right? Like, I don't like that um, because you're working in the house. You are learning way more than you learn in real estate development or whatever, you know, your partner may be doing. So what would you say to that mama who's a little afraid after taking six month pause? Like, am I going to be accepted back in the workplace or do I have to start something on my own? Do I have the ambition to start something on my own? How do I feel valuable if I am working from the house for 18 years? I love that question because it lets me also say this. You mentioned they didn't have podcasts 18 years ago. That is so relevant on so many levels because when I started this movement, it's because we've inherited as a culture a really antiquated image of the stay-at-home mother, right? We have this one 1940s ideal that was, by the way, if you date back in history, perpetuated by vacuum print advertising of women teetering around in heels with a cookie platter and a pink phone and a drink for their husband and you know, women in work made such big progress. The feminist movement came right on the heel. The second wave of the feminist movement came right after that and perpetuated this huge power chasm. So we left the stay-at-home mother back in the 1940s with a dial-up, you know, a rotary phone and a cookie platter. And the reality is we've come leaps and bounds in terms of, let's start with podcasts, technology that gives women access not just to the flex work opportunities that we were talking about before, but the continued learning, right? Women dialing into a podcast like this one or another on their way to pick up, right? It's letting us be able to leverage this incredible chapter in our life to keep learning and keep growing and keep exploring, whether that's through online classes, whether that's through Instagram, whether that's podcasts. We're also older, 
than the stay-at-home parent from back then, from yesteryear, right? So we have more career experience, more education rates. Education attainment rates are far above what they were to draw from when and if we transition back. And that gray area, which to your point, whether you've taken an 18-year pause or a five-year pause or a one-year pause, you have an amazing capacity to stay connected through whether that's in small ways, whether that's volunteering in your kid's school system and you're being a class parent, uh, or whether it's getting involved with a friend's business and helping out when you can, um, whether that's coaching your partner through their business. There's so much work happening behind the scenes, not to mention, and you alluded to this, but the leadership skills you're gaining in the home, right? There's so many women who can attest that they gained the most creativity the most capacity like yourself to advocate, the most patience in the home. Combine that with the small ways in which to keep your story growing, right? You have the access right now that no generation has had prior to stay connected. So combine those things together and you can put piece together not a career ladder ascension, not a linear resume, but a career portfolio. I heard that term um, from Harvard Business Review, and I love it because it really gives us an opportunity, whether your gap was one year or five years or 15, 18, to be able to think about your career as a conglomerate of experiences and don't discount the ones that didn't happen in the traditional workforce. Reach for the ones that have gotten you to today and, and really work with the tools available, whether that's a paid coach or, and there are plenty I can refer to, Reboot Excel, Opre, that help women tell and craft that story to be one with power and, and confidence as they transition back. Work with the free tools online to tell that story and own that story with power because it is a powerful one. Thank you so much, Neha. That, that was so helpful. I'm so glad that we snuck that question in. Um, are you ready for some rapid fire? Oh, yeah. Do it. Awesome. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Book or podcast? Podcast. Are you listening to any podcast right now we should know of? I love The Second Life by Hilary Kerr. I think it it's, it's very it lends to where we are right now, talking about nonlinear career paths. One thing you can't live without? Coffee. <laughs> Something not many people know about you? Uh, I was born in India and moved here when I was three. A challenge you never thought you'd have to overcome. I struggled with uh, bullying when I was 16. I was bullied for race and it has made me into who I am. Biggest challenge right now? Figuring out how to transition back into more work. And something you're looking forward to? I'm going to Dubai in December and I cannot wait. That sounds like so much fun. Neha, thank you so much. And if the listeners want to reach you, how can they reach you? What's the best way to find you? You can come follow along with the movement on Instagram at Mother Untitled, or you can come to the site for resources like the Flex Jobs Board, mentorship, or articles from an incredible group of contributors in the gray area. And I'll put all of the resources in the show notes. And if, Neha, if you want to include anything else, um, like narratives to use or little resources you have, I can happily include links to that in the show notes as well. Um, and thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too.